0: Difficult time to preach on a Sunday morning, but God's word is always a comfort to me. So let's get into this text. I'm going to direct you to Psalm 126. I'm going to pray, then we're going to jump right into this. Lord God, we pray as we um, open up your word and we pray that you would guide our hearts to your word. That's our anchor. That's our rock. Lord, we pray that our focus would ever be um, your truth. We pray for the comfort of your Holy Spirit, even right now in the name of Jesus. We need you, God. We are, we are reminded of our daily desperation of you, of your presence, of your love, of your joy. We so need you. So have your way this morning, um, Lord. Might your word, as it always is, be the elixir, the healer for our hurt. And might as point us to the person and work of Jesus, who is the Christ, that we might find all joy in him. So have your way. Use me even now. Hide me behind the cross. Um, that it will be no Doug Loganism, but all your scripture. So have your way. Amen. Amen. I'm gonna put that there. Psalm 126, look what the Bible says. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouths were filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like the streams in the Negev. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. Hallelujah. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his seeds with him. Before I get started, I praise God for my wife, Angel. You no, know, she's always tells me how awful my sermons are so I can fix them up, amen. So I praise God for her. <laughs> You know, amen. And um, so I praise God for her health and her, her commitment to a slick talking preacher. Amen. Love you, angel. The title of my sermon is Kingdom Dreaming. Say that with me Kingdom Dreaming. This psalm is an expression of the joy of freedom. See, after being held captive in, in, the, in bondage and in the Babylonian exile, 70 years, after 70 years, of exile, the edict, the decree went forth from Cyrus, the king of Assyria, that the Jews could go home. This was the joy of deliverance from a long season of oppression. When you hear this psalm, this was a song of joy and deliverance from being jammed up in bondage for a long time. I imagine the children of Israel, as it says in verse one, when we, when the Lord restored our fortunes to Zion, we were like those who dream. I imagine the children of Israel dreamed of restoration and the promise of God and yet every day they would wake up to the nightmare of enslavement. While in bondage for a long time, I gather that the reality of the dream of restoration diminished and was almost removed from their minds. But we read this song of ascents as a a celebration of God's salvation. The restoring, promise-keeping, covenant-keeping God. For many people that live in North Philly, they would consider their lives one long nightmare. Some feel that they are doing a life sentence in North Philly. I've heard that they feel like they're doing a bid in North Philly. This is a bondage. This is bondage to many of them. They can't. They can relate to the children of Israel in many ways. Many of the promises made um, to the people in North Philly, yeah, um, but they've been broken. Many churches make promises. Many organizations, many mayors, many governors make promises to to inner city poor folk, and they seem to all be broken. Many have given up on rescue. But what promise do they have to cling to? Do they have sweet dreams and joys of freedom like the children of Israel? So as I often kingdom dream, I dream of the promises of God The only authentic promise is Jesus Christ. I often dream of God's restoration plan for the people in the inner city. The neglect of many, even the church, has neglected the inner city poor and has left people dreamless. So I call you to action today, covenant community, that we as a community would dream for the people in the inner city, North Philadelphia, dream of the people. Being restored and dream with the people as God restores them. My first idea is what we dream for this community, verse one through three. "When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Restored. This is a picture here um, of reversal or return of replenishment. That's the idea of this Hebrew word. The rendering in the Hebrew means turn back our turning. They had turned from God and they had went into captivity. So now they were saying, turn back since we turn from you. Bring us back to the place of good standing with you that we might worship you and move forward towards the promises that you made. They have been in exile some 70 years, but by the Lord's permission, they were led into captivity by God, and it was by God's grace and power that they have now been set at liberty through King Cyrus, but by the power of God. They restored the fortunes of Zion. This idea is much like Yahweh's promise to make all things new. See, we, we long in this new covenant of all things being new, and this didn't start when we got saved And this just didn't start at the cross, but God was working out his redemptive plan through all history. The Bible says even before the foundations of the world, he was as a lamb slain. So God has been actively at work. He has not taken a lunch break at all. And he's constantly and consistently bringing people unto himself, making the invisible church visible for his glory. The Lord alone turns. He reverses by replenishing the blessedness design. He does nothing halfway. Those whom, he saves from, he, those whom he saves from hell, he brings to heaven. He turns exile into ecstasy and banishment into bliss. He is a restoring God. Gospel restoration of the city of Philadelphia for many people is no longer a dream. They're out of dream. They have no context of hope or restoration. So in essence, they are out of dreams. But the text says that the children of Israel were restored. They were like those who dream. Dreamers, we were like dreamers. They could, this could mean the children of Israel were so overcome with, with ecstatic joy that they were like those who fantasize about pleasurable experiences in their sleep. You know about a good, a good night's sleep. You can have that good dream. Dream about your cable bill being paid on time. <laughs> about your cell phone not being cut off every month. Y'all had that dream. <laughs> then you get woke up to that alarm clock and got to go to work. <laughs> and your phone is off. <laughs> <laughs> the ecstatic joy of the dream. The Hebrew, this word in the Hebrew carries the idea of health. So, it, and, it, and it does that in the superlative, meaning we go to the far end, to the extreme of that word for, for health, and it means a radical healing. It's like an almost an unbelieving healing from the terminal sickness. So it's like being given 10 days to live, and this word would imply that that person was completely healed. when you, The word dreamers here. So when, when the translators use dreamers, because they used it to bring you from the nightmare of bondage, to the ecstatic joy of being healed through the restoring power of Jehovah. What a, what a word. As they rejoiced in their new freedom, they reflected on the loving kindness of Yahweh. Now he had done mighty things and promised to make them a blessing, even in bondage, they were told. Jump with me to Jeremiah, Jeremiah 29. As we trek the GPS in and out of bondage, with God as the navigator. Jeremiah 29, 4 through 7. Look what the Bible says. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease, but seek the welfare of of the city that word welfare can also be translated seek the peace of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare you will find your welfare now that now they may have given up hope in their seemingly hopeless situation in exile the idea of freedom had maybe become unrealistic the life of bondage sucks all hope of freedom from a person often. But but look the god, but God doesn't leave them there. Look what look what he says. Go to verse 8. For thus said the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you, and do not listen to the dreams that they dream. For it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. So he says, don't fall for them okie doke dreams. Don't put your hope and trust in anybody else coming through for you. Don't expect somebody to show up with this deep sense of entitlement that we may have, this this, this sense of we deserve. Don't wait for that. Don't dream because they're prophesying. They're not prophesying. He says, trust in me. Look what he says. Look at the hope. Even in exile, what a God we serve. You know, my mother would whip me. She said, "I'm beating you because I love you." I never liked that. And she would sound out the syllables that weren't syllables. When I told, "Oh, oh," there's not three syllables in "told." (laughs) Look at our God, verse eleven: "For I know the plans I have for you," declares the Lord, "plans for welfare." And not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. And a hope. When I was pastoring in Kensington, there was a young lady and she had a baby. She had came from Puerto Rico. She had been here about 20 days. And in that season, she had a husband who was an, an addict. That she thought was a good man. You know, he looked good for that minute when she fell in love for that hour. She placed a lot of trust and confidence in him. Well, one night they went to get some drugs. She went with him to get it. She was not on drugs at the time. She got on drugs that night. And they didn't come home that night. If you remember the ice storms back then, the temperatures were dropping to below zero. Well, They had five kids on a mattress in a basement with no heat. They had a 10-month-old baby that was ice-cold in the morning dead. I preached that funeral, it was a sad funeral. She lost her kids, she became a prostitute, she got locked up, she sunk into a deep depression. This is not her, this is her, but I want you to know that her children sunk into deep depression as well. And the little girl, The little daughter that was laying with her, she was seven or eight at the time. She slept by her and their job was five of them with one blanket and one full-size mattress. She thought she killed her little daughter, her little sister. She thought she squished her. The girl couldn't sleep. She said if she sleeps, that thing is gonna go into her head that meant that dream, that nightmare. So she could stay up for 24, 48, 72 hours, seven years old. She was suicidal. She couldn't sleep. She imagined she had killed her own sister. What are you saying, Doug? So. That's just one story in a million here in the inner cities. Our kids are without dreams. They don't normal kids that play with Legos. They're attacked so bad it's evil personified and they are forced to no longer to to be suicidal at seven years old when they should be playing. She should be playing with Dora the Explorer. Who will dream for them? That's my challenge. Who will dream for them? She's out of dreams. She's not going to go to sleep. She needs somebody to dream for her. But verse 2, it's so crazy because look what verse 2 says. Then our mouths were filled with laughter. So their mouths were filled with laughter. So they've come out of bondage. They're marching unto Zion. They're getting the heck out of there. They've been restored and now they are worshiping. Our mouths are filled with laughter and shouts of joy. This phrase denotes a change in the disposition of one's heart. The celebration of salvation. In this context, we see the overwhelmingness of bondage. While in Babylon, they did not sing often restoration songs. That little girl wasn't singing restoration songs. They were in a foreign land and they were overwhelmed by the sadness, oppression, and homesickness. Not joy. They would have, um, not joy, they would have been just, it would have just been the opposite. They would have more than likely been bitter. God has called them to thrive in exile, though. Jeremiah 29 brought that out. But yet they longed for the promise of God. They longed for restoration. If you're new here and you've never been here, we sing loud at Epiphany. I know you say, man, it is early and it's loud. But we sing loud and big because we serve a big God. We serve a big God. So So most folk here have been through some bondage. And when we get together and worship, we are a little loud and we move around. You might, if you're you're real traditional, you might think we're acting like we're in the club. We're not. We're rejoicing that we're not in the club. Amen. So restoration is a big deal. In the kingdom of God, and it's a big deal at Epiphany. So we worship hard and we worship loud because our mouths are filled with laughter. We need to remember that the gospel transforms believers' whole worldview. There is a shift in disposition, and things that once were overwhelming are dealt with through the cross. We were once enslaved to sin. We forget that no one but Jesus was broken for us, that he might break us free from sin's bondage. We were bound to all types of addictions, drugs, porn, and people. You know, we can be addicted to bad people. We're addicted to people, depression, bitterness, false doctrine, sexual activity, bound up, locked up, hemmed up. And the Lord says, I am the Lord thy God that brought thee out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of bondage. I am the Lord that brought you. I know me alone. But, Christ, but by Christ, we have, rem- we have been moved from mope to hope. Yeah, yeah. So like the children of Israel, our mouths are filled with joy. As I moved down, they were looked on as outsiders. Look what happened in verse 2. Then they said among the nations. So the nations means the Gentiles, the non-covenant people, the non-Jews. The non-Jews were shouting about how good Yahweh was. Even the pagan world marveled at God's goodness. The nations looked and saw and were amazed. They were convinced of God's ability to redeem his people. They were so convinced of Yahweh's salvation and power, they shouted about it. That's crazy. This in turn sparked God's people praising. Look what it says. Then the, so the nation said, the Lord has done great things for them. Verse 3, the Lord has done great things for us, and we are glad. What brings joy to people in North Philly on Diamond Street? When you see people happy and laughing, do you ever wonder if it is about the joy of Jesus? We walk through the streets, I see people laughing, getting it in, chopping it up. Uh, Do you ever say, I wonder if they're happy about Jesus right there? We must strive for this community to find Jesus. We must strive for this community to find Jesus as the most beautiful over all things. This is so important for the church because people are watching and waiting to see a difference between their life and those of the church. They're waiting for some authentic so-called Bible living. They're so sick of this shake and bake, health and wealth, name it and claim it, blabbing and grab it mess that does not produce fruit. It does not bring wholeness. They go back to the same hell they left. All they do is go back more tired from singing at the church. And they go back a little less, they go back a little more broke because they put some money in because they was told if they do, they'll get money back at the house. So they go home tired and broke to the same hell they left we gotta strive for distinction. When people look at the church of Philadelphia, do they marvel at his goodness and his restoration power? Are we living lives as trophies of grace or as vandalizers of God's shalom? When people in North Philly see our covenant community, they see people with attitudes of exile or people that have been restored by Christ's redeeming love on the cross. In the summer, when we walked the block, me and Sam, I always, I I, I think crazy, I always consider the stoop, you know, cats sitting on the steps. I consider that church pews. I consider the sidewalk, the pulpit, Doc. So when I walk by and I catch them on the steps, before I open my mouth, I've already been preaching all the way down the pulpit, walking, because they're wondering what we're going to do, our distinction, who we are, who we not. Will we speak? Will we not speak? Will we invite? Even though we invited them 20 times and they said no, will we invite today? Our lives are a proclamation of the gospel. When you walk through these blocks, personally on even on our Connections team, I tell Connections people to park further down so you can walk up and speak. They need to get used to hearing, good morning. How you doing? You, you're coming today. we love to have you. No, and we're gonna remix that every week until heaven. Amen. We must share, live, proclaim the abundance of God's provision. Not living paycheck to paycheck, but planning, praying, preparing for serving God until we die. Fathers fathers loving their children and prioritizing their development. Christians that actually have hope in their eyes. (laughs) We must show them that. We must show them the love. We must show them abundance of God. We have to do that regularly in practical ways. See, David Wells in his book, God in the Wastelands, he says we must re-guide the misguided bad guy. See, you know, you hit North Philly, you know, me and Sam ran up on... You know, they did us dirty. That's why we're like this. You know, the man. They. I wish I knew their social security number, but I don't know their social security number. But so the man. So often the issue of their issues and their depression and their their issues and their struggles are because of the man, this invisible dude who does them dirty. Don't hear me saying I don't believe in justice. We're going to do that, too. Amen. We're going to fight against people being robbed out of their houses. We're going to fight that, too. But yet the urban neglect in these cities are not just resources and manpower. So in doing justice and being done dirty, I emphasize to them, your biggest problem is not you've been done dirty. Your biggest problem is sin and unrepentance repent so we call them to repent we don't push away from that we still yell repent but we still feed we still smile we still speak and we yell repent and we still hug and we still help them with the houses and the groceries but we yell repent Jesus Christ is Lord we transition to from would you dream for them because they're out of dreams let's move on would you dream of them being restored this is a calling to not be passive but be patient as an evangelist, as we wait on God's call, as we wait on God to call people to himself. Verse 4 says this, Restore the fortunes, O Lord, like the streams of Negev. This is a calling to not be passive, but patient. The psalmist makes a petition for full restoration. He compared the returning exiles to the streams of Negev, that's the desert south of Judah, which in the dry season have little or no water, but which in the rainy season overflow their banks. I want you to get this picture. This place dries up is a desert. I mean, it's dry, there's, no, there's not even bugs. There's no, there's no nothing, it's nothing, it's, everything is it's just dry. I mean, overwhelmingly dry, lifeless. But when the rain season comes, it just rains and it keeps raining and by the time it finished raining through that rain season, the place is greened in a mug. That's a radical restoration. See, some of us, we need to not forget that God is able to radically restore things. He's able, and his word does just that. We can't just give up on the fact that we could share the gospel and folk would say, yes, I want Jesus. That that, that can happen, and it's going to take more than a track. Yes. Amen. It's going to take more than a track. It's going to take more than one conversation. It's going to take more than some Cheerios and some canned goods to see that. It's going to take a consistent commitment to sharing the gospel, living the gospel, declaring the gospel, hugging dirty people, loving them, helping them read, helping them walk through difficult trials, and calling them consistently and constantly to repent and point them to this beautiful cross that we first saw the light. we got to remind them that this Jesus that has been Pimped and perverted. He's not the Jesus we're talking about. We're talking about this redeeming, restoring God who has abundant mercy, abundant joy, and he's not scared of the dark. Our God is not scared of the dark. He works in the dark without a nightlight, but he walks through and he operates and he restores dark places into light. What a God we serve! He's able. We must declare that for people who have given up. What will you dream of it? The challenge here is, do you even believe it? Is this pre-hell? Is this hell's lobby? This ain't. Not according to my sovereign God. Not according to him. But let me tell you something. If you don't believe it, they can spot a phony in a second. They can spot a phony in a second. So would you dream of them? God's people were experiencing a dry season in this text. After a time of past blessing, they prayed for a flash flood of renewed blessings. This does not imply that they are requesting only a brief display of God's blessing. They prayed for a radical restoration, a supernatural irrigation system. See, in the desert, there was no irrigation system. So the only way that place was going to get green is if God did something. I believe that is true of every place in the world. Amen. <laughs> Amen. The only place, the only way it's going to happen is in Christ alone. Yeah. We must stand there and be patient. I don't, I know you read a lot of Puritan paperbacks. I know. I know we got PBU graduates. Amen. I know we listen to a lot of podcasts. Hallelujah. But sometimes, as good as you say it, that don't mean they're going to repent that moment. So I don't want to hear the goodness of you saying it. I want to talk about your commitment to continually to say it and to show it. I want to hear that. I want to see that. I want to see you fight consistently. I grew up in Patterson, and you know what? If, if you beat me up, we were going to fight every day till I won. <laughs> We was going to fight every day. Every time that joker saw me, we was going to fight again. Let's do that redeemed. Let's fight every day. (laughs) No blows. Let's do that every day. In other words, we... so So there's no irrigation system in the desert. In other words, there's no plan B. Amen? It's Christ alone. But here's the deal. We got a real good plan A. Jesus Christ and him crucified. In other words, the fight is fixed. My sheep will hear my voice, and a stranger they will not follow. Acts 13, 30, 47 and 48. Amen. Look what, look what's get broke out right there. Acts 13, amen, 47 and 48. For the Lord has so commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many were appointed to eternal life, believed. I know. Don't get mad at me, nobody. I, I, I just believe God. It's a work of God. The mission requires deep gospel investment, so we must unleash plan A, the unstoppable gospel. Live it, preach it, and declare it. Bad circumstances don't edit our gospel dream. See, sometimes we'll alter the plan A because it seems like it's not working. That's not, what I'm, that's not what this text is calling, and that's not what I'm calling to you in application. I'm calling you to not edit your plan because it's rough. Not edit your plan because USA Today says this. Camden last week got rated the worst city in America. The most violent city. And God still ain't scared of Camden. And he still don't take steroids to go there. He goes and the gospel is unstoppable. It penetrates and pierces. It tears down walls. God is not afraid of no sin, no sinner. He's able to transform and restore any and all by the power of his might. You have to take that. There must be a redeemed of all when we walk in, when we declare it. They're looking for somebody with some hope. Everybody done lied and promised, but you and I have the only authentic hope, the only authentic truth, so we must declare it. We must share it. We must not back down because the devil steps up. Wait on the Lord. And he shall keep you in perfect peace. Wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. That's hard. That's hard. So let us dream of people coming to Jesus in droves. Our dream must accompany patience and a deep trust in God's promise. I sense, I sense it's, it's going to take more than Epiphany Church to see North Philly redeemed. That's why we plant churches. That's why we send missionaries. That's why we disciple. That's why we're man to man with Chosen 300. That's why. That's why. So we call you to commitment and to patience and to tie roots here in North Philly. And let's fight this good fight of faith for the glory of Christ. God has done great things in the past and will continue to do. In other words, y'all, the best is yet to come. We must teach people. See, what folk will say is, if God is good, why did he? If there was really a good God, why did he let this happen? That's hard, y'all. Listen, I'll tell you what I say. I love you, but your life ain't the whole story. I love you, but your life ain't the whole story. This is about a big God that's got a big plan for a whole bunch of folk that don't even know him yet. And some folk that know him that's struggling. So the best is yet to come. So don't get them trapped into the now. Move them to the promise of God. That's what this psalm is about. It's about them turning back and waiting on the promise of God restoring and bringing Mashiach to come. And and that one day, not just back in Zion, but in heaven, we're going to sing all day long, not get tired. And if we miss the high note, it don't matter because God's going to edit it and fix it up for us. So if you can't sing when you get to heaven, you can hit the high note. All right, amen. Wait on God. This is the eschatological hope, but I got to finish up. This is the eschatological hope. Eschatological, this in time hope. It goes beyond just this now. They just, sometimes they just want the electric fix now. They want a car now. They want their bail now. That's what sometimes they want. We got to move them beyond that and point them to this God at work. Hebrews chapter 13 look what the Bible says how am I doing Chris bad Okay. Mm. amen Hebrews 13 look what the Bible says verse 14 for here we have no lasting city but we seek a city that is to come through him let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of the lips that acknowledge his name. This is that eschatological hope. This is the hope of God just not, he positionally saves us definitively, and we're progressively being sanctified, but, we're, but salvation is going somewhere. Salvation is not a ticket into the game and you stand still, but salvation is going somewhere. We're moving on in Jesus and we're moving up to be with him forever. Not just your lights paid. (laughs) Not just your bell covered. But this eschatological hope points us from the already and the not yet to the always will be in heaven with God. Eldon Villafañe says this The mystery and the glory of the gospel is not only that it offers hope for the eternal life in the splendid city, but it offers hope and grace in the present age. Let us show this off the authentic restoration of God through Christ, so they can dream of Christ restoring power in the city and in their lives. So I challenge you again, Covenant community, will you dream of them being redeemed and restored by God? So we've dreamed for them, we've dreamed of them, now let's dream with them. Please dream with them as God is at work. We want to stay around and see them not just come to faith, but be discipled, mature, be leaders, elders, deacons, and church planners. But this is going to take commitment. Look at verse 5. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. This is about the harvest. This is the kingdom contribution and missional investment. See, this verse holds the idea of a farmer having had a bad season, low in grain. What he has, he can eat it and have nothing else. That's called temporal fulfillment. Or he can plant his few seeds and hope for the harvest. So in simple terms, these seeds are precious. This is his last. This is it. He sows them crying and weeping, yet hopeful and uncertain. They must trust in God for the harvest. So the seeds are planted while weeping. Let let me tell you that the farmer may panic um, and he may sweat through the season wondering what's going to happen. But when that field is ripe for picking, he shouts. So let us missionally engage people on the block and sow in tears, considering the gospel, the precious promises of God, able to raise up a people for himself. And when people come to faith, might we shout with a voice of triumph. Let us labor earnestly on the mission field. The divine promise will certainly be fulfilled. Christ's mission will be accomplished. Every knee shall bow and it it will be kneeling room only. Every knee shall bow in North Philly and in Beverly Hills. Every knee shall bow in North Africa and in North Camden. Eldon Villafania calls this a burning patience. This is not a hopeless resignation, this is not a que what will be, what, this is not what I'm talking about. It is a call to active commitment. This vision is rooted in the eschatological vision to see God's heavenly city. So we plant churches and we do all these things. After school program, we, we hope to set up summer program and we invest in this community that we might see snapshots of the heavenly city in our earthly city. We anticipate new relationships. As we see their lives transform. we will sing songs of Zion, not just about them, but with them. Help with the homework. We'll help them with their homework. We'll be with them. We'll do mission with them. Encourage and inspire greatness through Christ with them. We will be surrogate fathers to the fatherless with them. We will invest in people. We will commit. See. Dad's gone and mom's at the club, that we, and, and so we've been sent to incarnate the gospel in the fatherlessness and the parentless lives in our community. See, Christ is local and present, so must his church be here in this context. Might we be here for the long haul, actively seeking the peace of the city with them, actively reminding them of the dream and the promise of God, and let us have HD dreams. See, sometimes we dream analog dreams fuzzy dreams, but let's have jumbotron, high-definition dreams. As I close, for three years, men walked with Jesus, those disciples that became those apostles. And they said, one of them said, we found the Messiah. Whew! that was a dream come true they longed for him they found him man he told them, come on and follow me so for three years he was doing some banging stuff healing blind um, cure, curing and healing people feeding 5,000 with a fish fry in the desert and they were living the dream almost well we know the story. He was seized and brutally murdered, put on a cross, nailed his hands and his feet in on a filthy, the hymn writer makes it more cute, old rugged cross, nasty, bloody, stinking cross. They nailed our Jesus to. Now, if I had been there, I would have saw that I don't watch scary movies because I'm scared of scary movies and I would have nightmares. (laughs) Say amen, angel. (laughs) I'm landing this plane. For me to see my friend, my Messiah, beat brutally, and all I could do was stand and watch for fear of my own death. Having been with him three years, I wouldn't have went home and had sweet dreams of resurrection out of struggle i would have probably had nightmares i would have been spooked out i would have been sleepless probably would have drank too much medicated myself with liquor cried a lot deep depressed messed up but thank god for jesus but I tell you what, when I would have saw him come walking up talking about shalom, I would have shouted because <laughs> I would have known in him is life and that life is the light of men. Then we can shout. So we live in between promise and fulfillment. So I'm telling you, don't just wait for North Philly to be restored, but we can shout right now at a working God who's able to do according to all that he said. He that began a good work. He will do it. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. We pray that you would ever be with us. Lord, we so need your spirit. We so need the confidence of the cross. We need your word your, to just fill us up that we might go forth with courage and wisdom proclaiming the goodness and the excellence of you to a dark place. Lord, might we be intercessor, intercessory dreamers. For the people in this community. And might we rejoice when they come to the saving knowledge of Christ. That we will shout with them. And walk with them and love them. All the way through. Have your way in Christ's name. Amen.